Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation? But not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. My name is Emma Dorton. And my name is Christian Watkins. And we are Christian teens giving our personal insight with facts and stories. Welcome to the TBH Teens Being Honest podcast. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Teens Being Honest podcast. And this week we're going to be going over a super hard topic. I have not heard too much of this story or what's about to go down, so this is all raw, raw footage, raw story of Emma's experience with sexual abuse. So I'm just gonna let Emma take over. I'm not gonna. Last fall, a few months ago, actually, um. My voice is like really shaky and I don't want. It sounds good though. Okay. Stop thinking. Last fall, I think around August, I just turned 17. And I went with my best friend and her mom. And we went out one night to a really cute diner for a karaoke night good food and it was a lot of fun and um, my best friend's mom knew a guy that worked there and we stayed way past closing because we were just having so much fun and i got to know the owner and the boss he seemed to like me like right away and i was very outgoing and I was just into singing and I was very happy like the whole night and he asked for my number so that we could stay in contact and so that I could go back on Monday morning for an interview because he said that they were hiring. He He got this number from my best friend, too, so we got both of our numbers, but for some reason he only contacted me. And I went in for the interview Monday, and super bright and shiny and and head in the clouds and super excited. I got the job, like, on the spot, and I was so smiley and giddy, and I was like, thank you so much, like, thank you so much, sir, and I shook his hand and I walked out. I started work again 
and I only worked for about a month for him, but I was always on time. I worked really hard, never complained. I did everything that he wanted me to do. It was often just me and him in the place working. Um, you know, he's, he was a 30 year old man. He would talk to me a lot about not going to college and about working with him instead. And he had loads of money, uh, loads of cars. He had my dream car, which was a Corvette. And I got to sit in it the first night that I met him. And I was just very, very involved in this path of how can I be rich? I was so, th those, that was my goal. It was all that I could think about. It was work hard, make everyone envious of you, make everyone proud of you, work until you are super rich and successful. And then when you're rich, you can start thinking about helping others. That was how I thought. And my boss, former boss, said all the right things to get me to believe my dream would come true. You know, if you do this and this with me, you'll be rich and you'll have money. And by the time you're 23, like, you'll have thousands and thousands in the bank. Like, you'll be set off. And everything was good. At least I thought it was until, I think it was August 29th. Just two weeks after my 16th, my 17th birthday. I got all dressed up to play an 80s character. Because that was the whole theme of the diner. And I had really dark eye makeup on. And my hair was teased, you know, how they do, how they had it in the 80s. And I had, I had gone shopping and I had all of the gear I just looked like I came out of an 80s movie because that was the costume for the night and I had to play that. Uh, I think I played Vanity. That was my character who I didn't really feel comfortable dressing up as because um, she was a bit provocative. But again, that was my job and I felt like that's what he told me to dress up as. So anyways, I go and my shift was supposed to be from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. I get there at 8, and I'm super excited, and I'm like, how do I look? And, you know, I worked really hard, and all my makeup and my hair, and something seemed off because he didn't have me clock in at 8. He had me wait an hour and a half to clock in for five minutes so that I could take an order for somebody, and then I clocked back out. So I knew I was only making about $2. <laughs> And I was like, okay, it's a bit odd. Not many people were in that night. It was kind of slow. And I was basically just sitting there on my phone. But you see, the whole entire time I was working with him, he would do that. He would wait for me. He would tell me not to clock in when my shift started. And he would wait. And then I would clock in only for about an hour. And then I'd clock back out. So I was there for the entirety of the hour um, working but I wouldn't clock in until there was a customer to take an order from. I would be cleaning and whatever else. So I didn't really make that much. I think I worked 
whatever, half part-time for two weeks straight, and I made, like, $40. So that's not the point. But little things like that where I thought nothing was wrong because I had never worked before. I'd never had a job before. There was stuff that was wrong. I just didn't know. So anyways, that Friday night, my shift was coming to a close. And the night before, I hadn't slept a wink. I pulled an all-nighter because I was doing all of my schoolwork and I needed to get it all done. And that's just the way that I am. I'm really productive at night. And so I like fell asleep on my textbook. I woke up. Or, yeah, I, I didn't get any sleep and I was running off of like three cups of coffee. So I tell my boss like, I'm ready to leave after my shift. It's 11 p.m. And I'm like, I really should get home. I'm so tired. During that time, he makes me a drink. I think he called it a Captain Morgan. And he watched me as I reluctantly drank it. But I didn't drink a lot of it because I knew I had to drive home that night. And I was like, why would he serve me a big glass of alcohol if I had to drive or because I was 17 or because I'm an employee? Why would he like, and then he told me not to tell anybody and he would call me out for his smoke breaks and I would just do everything that he said, everything. So I drank a bit of the drink and then I had water for the rest of the night without him knowing. Easier to talk about it in my room. (laughs) (laughs) So I drank it and he asked me if it was any good and I lied, said that it was. A lot of people ask, why do bad things happen to innocent people or good people? It's a question that a lot of people wonder, why does God let so many bad things happen? Why did he let that happen to me that, that night? You know, people might wonder, or why does a... 19-month-year-old have... 19-month-year-old. A 19th month. 19... What am I saying? Oh, this is hard. Or why does a toddler get cancer? Why do people get assaulted for doing nothing? Everybody wonders, right? Well, I found out the answer, but it took a lot to get to that. So just keep that question in mind as I keep on talking. I followed him out to his smoke break, even though I hate the smell of cigarette smoke. And at this point, there was nobody in the diner. It was around midnight. My coworker had left. And I was just alone with him outside. And he told me that he wanted to get to know me more personally. And so he said, 
we should play a game of truth or dare. And I didn't make it seem like I was uncomfortable. I didn't make it seem like there was anything wrong, even though to my core, I felt like something was off. And so I said, oh, okay, sure. Well, why not? Right? It's a fun game. But it wasn't. (laughs) He asked me a lot of really personal questions, like how far I'd ever gone with a boy, or if I thought he was attractive. And he dared me to take off my shirt and walk across the parking lot and back. And... I was like, someone will see, or it's too cold, or my shirt doesn't go up that high, it's it's too tight, or try to come up with any possible excuse to not have to do that. But he was insistent and said, just lift it up as high as it goes and walk. And so I did. And then I followed him back into the diner. He shut the door. He shut the door behind him and he turned the security cameras around and he told me just in case And at that moment, I felt my stomach drop. I would dare him to do silly things like drink mustard or act like a monkey for 30 seconds. Just anything to get over that. And I kept asking him, you know, it's really late. I'm so tired. My mom's going to worry. I really need to get home. And he said, as soon as you finish cleaning up the front of the store, of the the diner. Okay, sure. Well, we continued to play the game of Truth or Dare. And he dared me to dance for him. Like on a chair. And he dared me to... sing for him and he dared me to mop the floor all without having my shirt on and I did you might be wondering why didn't you just say no Why don't you just run? Why don't you just... Say, that's inappropriate. (laughs) I'm leaving now, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. Why didn't I just do that, right? I wonder that too. 
Because months later, it still affects me. He didn't touch me at all that night. Thank God. He just watched me and it felt like an invasion on my mind. And while I was mopping that floor, I felt like there was evil all around me. For the first time in my life, I could see it. I was mopping my shirt off and he had gone around the back of the store and I thought to myself, Emma, if you just run, unlock the door, take off your heels with your shirt off, just run out the door to the nearest gas station or ever. There was a... I guess subconscious part of me that felt very terrified that if this 200 pound, 6 foot, 30 year old man realized that the 17 year old girl at 1am was running out of his store without her shirt on, crying, didn't look too good and I I figured if I had the chance to call the police, they wouldn't get there in time by the time he caught up to me. So, I stayed. I stayed, and I was quiet, and I smiled, and I made it seem like everything was fine. And I don't know why, but I suppose... I did what I thought <laughs> I could get away with easier. I could leave. But he wouldn't let me. Not until I was done cleaning and playing his game. I felt in my stomach a level of guilt I had never felt before. Like, it was all on me. Or at least half of it was. Like, I did it. I did it to myself. It was my choice. And to an extent, I did have a choice. I just, it didn't seem that way in the moment. His last dare while I was walking to my car was for me to hug him. <laughs> and so I did. And he held me a little too long, a little too tight. And I felt like my skin crawling. I felt like I was hugging Abel. So I got in my car, 
<laughs> but I was on empty. And I was like, great, I can't get home. It's 1am. I'm beyond exhausted from no sleep. Over-caffeinated. And... Like, traumatized. But there was a gas station right by my work. And he followed me there. And I could barely focus on anything like driving and shifting. I drive a manual and turning and just everything was like... I couldn't focus. And my hands are shaking like they are right now. I got out of my car, I went into the gas station, and he was there. He paid for my gas, and I looked at the, the tenant that was at the gas station. <laughs> he was right next to me, and I just wanted to tell her, like, help. Like, something like that, like. But I didn't. Then I walked back out, and he gave me another hug, and I got in my car. And I silently sobbed the whole way home. I was locked out because I wasn't, they weren't expecting me to be home so late, so I had to go around the back. I finally got inside my house at around 1.30 a.m. And it was like I had not an ounce of energy in my body. And people who know me, they know I'm energetic. <laughs> they know I'm exciting and I'm happy and optimistic. And that's just who I am. But that night, it was like, I was nobody. So I walk into my room and I stare at myself in the mirror. And I had such heavy eyeliner on that night for my costume that it all had run down my face. <laughs> I was a complete mess. And for the first time in all my years of living, I hated who was staring back at me. I hated that girl in the mirror. Hated her with a burning passion. Like, if I could crawl out of my skin and be in a different body, it's like I just wanted to rip my skin off. I couldn't recognize her. That feeling has never really left. Not fully. But I'm working on it. I cried harder than I'd ever cried before in my life that night on the floor of my bedroom. With my knees up to my chest, walking back and forth, feeling absolutely and utterly alone. Feeling like there was nothing but evil around me. I wish I could go back in time and tell her. That God was there. God was there that night. When I felt like he hated me, I felt like I had messed up <laughs> bigger than I'd ever done in my life, and I wish I could go back and tell her that. No, Emma, he loves you. He's here, right there, right next to you. He wants to give you a hug. 
Just open your arms. I wish I could have told. How I dealt with stuff, with hard stuff, my whole life. My dad's leaving, the moving, being homeless, whatever. Was just keep smiling, be strong, move on. That's how I dealt with it. And so, the next day, that's exactly what I did. I made it seem like nothing was wrong. I just smiled. I was happy, excited, again, just like how I always was. And then I had to tell my best friend. I told her that I felt so guilty. And she said, Emma, you can't go back. And I'm like, I can't go back. What do you mean? Of course I'm going to go back. That's my job. I'm just going to tell him that was inappropriate and it won't ever happen again. I'm just going to go back on Monday, have a professional talk, deal with it myself. Right? Smile, be strong, and move on. But she knew I was scared. She told me I needed to quit. I needed to tell my mom. She told me all the things that a good best friend would say. But I didn't listen. So the next day, Sunday, happened on a Friday. I went to youth group. Because I was very involved with the church. Or I was getting more involved. And I sat there and everybody was socializing. Everybody was happy and... I felt numb. <laughs> oh my goodness, for the first time. Not a single feeling or thought passed through my body. I was just sitting there, completely numb. I didn't care about anybody. I didn't care about myself for the first time in my life. <laughs> I didn't care about a single thing. And I always care about people. I always hug them. Make sure that they feel loved. And I always tell myself, Emma, you're doing good. Not after that. Nope. Because remember, I hated myself. <laughs> a, a burning passion. <laughs> so, I don't know why, because I was so dead set on keeping it in to the day I died. I was so dead set on taking this to the grave, except for Brianna. My best friend. She's the only person that could ever know. Because she knows everything. And then for some reason, the youth group member, her name is Ashley. She's wonderful. I looked at her, and I felt like this pull. I don't know how to explain it. This tug. This push. Something to be like, tell her. Just tell her. Nothing will happen, right? Nothing bad will happen. Just tell her. And so I got up and I said, Ashley, can I talk to you outside? She's like, yeah, sure. And we went outside and I told her. I told her how guilty I felt and how I'd sinned and how I was, God must hate me and all of these lies and how I was disgusting and 
how I was going to go back Monday morning. And that everything would be fine because I only work nights on Fridays. And that's the only time when my boss and I are alone. It'll be fine. But I could tell by Ashley's expression that it wasn't. So she told another youth member, Andrea, and she's amazing too. And I just remember sitting in between them feeling like I'd messed up. And they brought me into the office and they said, we have to call your mom. And when they said that, I didn't really feel scared. I felt relieved. And I had to write a statement, which I did. And they hugged me and they told me everything was gonna be okay. But I did not believe them. <laughs> when I got home that night, my mom met me at the door, hugged me. Oh, with tears in her eyes. The first thing that she said was, why didn't you just come to me? Why didn't you tell me? The night that it happened. I said, I don't know, mom. And she said, we're going to file a police report against that. We're going to, to bring the hammer down. We're going to get the law involved. My mom was so just fierce like mama bear. She was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to march. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to talk. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm like, mom, no, we're not filing a police report. No, you're not talking to him. No. I'll just silently quit and leave. Move on. Smile. Be strong. And later on that night, I realized something. So I quit. Alright, I move on. Then what? He hires another girl. My age. Younger than me. Maybe a little older than me. And the feeling... That another girl would feel the way that I did oh, made me sick to my core. The feeling that I wasn't courageous enough to say something. And if I had only said something, maybe a girl wouldn't have to go through the pain I just went through. If I could only do something to stop that from happening. And so I said... Fine, let's go after him. Because I wasn't letting this happen to another girl. Mm -mm. So Monday morning, we go down to the police station. We file a police report. My mom does most of the talking because I wrote out pages of my statement. And through tears, I walk out. She says, I mean, it's, it's all over now. It's okay just gonna quit. Although the police officer told me not to quit because it would seem suspicious and that they needed to get the security tapes and blah, blah, blah. So they said, just call in sick for the next couple days. So I did. Two weeks later, nothing's happened. Three weeks later, nothing's happened. A month later, nothing's happened. 
I finally get a detective, and he wants me to call my former boss on the phone and record a conversation with us, between us, so I do. And I tell him I'm not worthless, and that night you made me feel very worthless. I'm not weak, and that night you made me feel very weak. And of course, his response was, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't remember. What night? What drink? I didn't say that. I don't remember. Sorry. So, I felt defeated. My word against his. There's no evidence he turned the security cameras around. <laughs> no witnesses. It was 1am. It's just me. So I gave up. I was like, I handed in that tape recorder feeling so defeated and angry. And so for the next few months, I did everything I could to distract myself from that anger, that pain, that wound, from hating myself. Anything that would make me feel better, I didn't care if it was temporary. I didn't care. Boys, alcohol, partying, I didn't care. I just wanted to feel something or feel nothing. <laughs> there was a time where just a week straight, I didn't talk at all. I didn't even really cry. They just, I had no more tears. <laughs> it was like I was a shell of a person. I wasn't Emma anymore. And I was also really disappointed that I was letting him, that I let him do that to me. That I let myself be affected like that. And I'm like, Emma, just get out of it. Knock yourself out of it. Like, just smile. Get back up. Get stronger. And the nightmares came. And I would wake up screaming and crying. And I was just like, Emma, it wasn't even that bad. Like, he didn't even touch you, Emma. Like, you stopped it before it went any farther. Like, stop being so dramatic. Just, just move on. All I could think about was just move on. And so, of course, I got drunk. I went to more parties. Got drunk again. <laughs> Put all my attention towards boys. Because I didn't care. I didn't have any self-worth anymore. I valued myself as nothing. And I hated that I valued myself at nothing because of him. So that just made it worse. One night, I was at a party and I just went really far. And I woke up and I had just disappointed my whole family, disappointed myself. A few days later, I asked my mom for help because I wasn't doing very well on my own. I needed help. And she emails a very lovely <laughs> counselor, therapist, to help me with that. 
and I show up the very first morning, gray skies, it's about winter now, and it was like my vision was just black and white, I couldn't really see color, I mean I could see it, but it didn't pop out to me, I didn't, there's just nothing to it, it was just dull, everything was dull, and I walked in, and I was completely broken. I didn't care about anything. But then she said something to me, Christine, my counselor. She said that that night, all of his demons he was carrying latched onto me. And it kind of made everything make sense. I had never had a bad thought about myself, not to that, not to that degree before until that night i had never been depressed before i'd never been anxious really and then after that night everything just happened everything it was like my thoughts weren't my own but i made them my own <laughs> it's complicated to think about i don't really remember much <laughs> from the first time from the first meeting, but I do remember having this blessed oil and water and the sign of a cross she put on my hands and it felt really warm, <laughs> like hot almost. I was like, okay, that's odd. And it traveled up my arms, it felt like. This is all feeling, I can't ever prove it, but it's unexplainable. And then I put my hands to my head and I started praying for the first time in months. And when I brought my hands back down, I looked her straight in the face, in her eyes, and I said, all I want to do is save souls. That was really surprising to me because I didn't care about anything before I walked in there. Not about what I look like, not about my friends, not about my family, not about God, especially not about God. I didn't care. And then within an hour, suddenly, <laughs> I just felt peace. The first time in months. And I was so surprised when I said that because I never thought about saving souls. I never really wanted to. I never really had it cross my mind that souls were in need of saving. But when I said that, it was like energy f went back into me. I didn't feel dull. And when I walked out of that house on a gray winter morning, it was like all the colors pushed me back. And I could see that the trees weren't just green they were a vibrant green and my car wasn't just white it was like a blinding white and my skin wasn't just dead I don't know it was like glowing I just felt peace that whole day and it didn't last long because for that whole week I started to get attacked 
really bad. It always happened at night. And it always seemed to happen at like 3 a.m. For some weird reason. And my door was open. I was trying to sleep. And I remember like being jolted awake and looking at the corner of my door. Like looking at the hallway at the corner of my door. Like something was standing in my doorway. And then I'm like, there's nothing there, right? Just pray. Just go back to sleep. And then I did it again. And I would look at that doorway. And I'd go back to sleep and I'd look at it again and I'd wake up and I'd wake up and it was 10 times that night. And then finally, I felt like from the back of my neck all the way down to my toes, a shock of fear. Like I'd been electrocuted with like a feeling of, of fear and like, at this point I started crying in my bed and rocking back and forth and staring at my doorway hard staring there was really nothing there but a dark entrance right and then i looked at my wrists and they were covered in blood like i had cut them dripping down and i freaked out so i had never cut myself before i never thought about it it was never something that i had trouble with and when i looked down it was like i had And so I grabbed two rosaries and I wrapped them all around my arms. And I stared at this doorway. And I was like, whoever you are, leave. Like, go away. And I must have fallen asleep out of exhaustion that night. But it happened again and again and again. And I went back to Christine the next week. And... She told me that I was under attack, that something evil was trying to get to me, to stop me from going closer to God. And I was so tired, like I'd gotten no sleep, I was exhausted. I told my mom about it, and she said similar things happened to her when she was my age, that she wouldn't, when she was my age. She was in her bed, and suddenly she felt like something was crushing her into her bed, and it was an immense amount of weight. I was trying really hard to see the light. But when stuff like that happens to you every night, it's like you don't want to go to sleep. So that brings me back to the question, why do bad things happen to innocent people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And I realized... After asking that question over and over and over again, that I was more lost before that night because all I wanted was my worldly goals. All I wanted was to be rich. All I cared about was success. All I cared about was getting farther in my education, going to a good college. That's all I cared about. It's all I thought about. And I was good at it. I was a hard worker. And then I realized that I was really lost and that I needed to be found by God. I needed to find his way of living. And it's complicated because I didn't know what that was. But I had an idea because all I wanted to do was save souls. But how? 
Christine gave me exercised holy water, and I blessed my bedroom. And that got rid of all of the demons, except the ones in my mind. I still hated myself, I still thought I was disgusting, hideous, atrocious, <laughs> just absolutely terrible. Every bad thought you've ever thought about yourself, yeah, I thought it too. Until one day, I was sitting in my car, I'd just gotten home, and I told God I'm too tired now. <laughs> you have to take them from me. Because these voices telling me that I'm not enough and I'm worthless, and I have no value, they're not my own. It's not my voice. Somehow, it became my voice over the course of months, but it's not. And so I asked him straight up, I'm too tired. Can you take them from me now? And I was crying harder than I ever had, with my hands in my face, and then when I released them, it was like a blanket of peace had been waved over me again. And I looked out of my, my car windshield up to the sky, and it was like the brightest colors. I didn't want to blink. I didn't want to move, because I didn't want the peace to go away. I didn't want to get out of my car. I just... All I could think about was how lovely I was. How much I was loved. Every bad thought left. Just vanished. And I started to feel free. It didn't last the whole day, but um, it was nice. God had to show me evil that night so that I could learn how to fight against it. So that I could do what I'm doing right now and talk to whoever is listening and try my hardest to save souls. He had to knock me off that path of superficial materialistic goals that would lead me nowhere but unhappy. And he had to set me on a new path, one that is far more uncertain <laughs> and hard and scary but rewarding and peaceful. It had to happen to me because I needed to be stronger. I needed to help people. And all I could think about was myself. I only thought about... Is this going to get me farther towards my goals? It's not about that anymore. It's about how can I grab hold of as many people as I can and bring them up with me to God. And I really hope that whoever's watching grabs a hold of my hand and doesn't feel alone. Because if something like that has happened to you and you felt powerless... You felt weak. You felt like you couldn't do anything or you felt like you did the wrong thing in the moment. <laughs> you're not alone in feeling that way. But you're also wrong. Because <laughs> those are all lies. God loves you. He loves you so much. That he would go through unimaginable torture just just so you could go to heaven he would do whatever 
he could. Whatever it takes to save you. Because he saved me. It's one of the hardest things to do. Letting go of your dreams. Surrendering your soul. Letting go of everything you've ever wanted to help others. It's one of the hardest things. But it's worth it. And I encourage whoever hears this to surrender right now. To let go of everything that you think you want. And just listen to what God wants for you instead. Because I guarantee you, it'll make you the happiest person in the world. Don't forget how much he loves you. Don't forget that he just wants to hug you. Don't forget that you are worth so much. If you can imagine the entire universe, you're more valuable than it. Every drop in the ocean, you're more valuable than it. Every animal, you're more valuable. And if something like that has happened to you, boy or girl, and you feel like you're never going to get over it, you're never going to heal from it, you're never going to be happy again. I thought that too. And it's all a lie. It's Satan lying to you. Filling your head with lies so that you won't get closer to God, so that you won't get closer to happiness. He doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to stay there forever. <laughs> you can't. You have to fight. Bad things happen to good people. So that God knows who will choose. Will we choose him? Or will we choose the devil? Choose God. Choose him. And if you don't know how, just say it out loud right now. I choose you. I love you. I want you. Don't underestimate how much he loves you. And if you need forgiveness, say it right now. Say, please forgive me. And you better believe you're already forgiven. Because God is not hateful and full of judgment and pride. And he doesn't think of you any less. That's wrong. It's not the way that he is. He is full of love and mercy. And if you want a hug, just ask for it. 
surrender everything that you know and follow him. Because he will not lead you astray. And if you feel like you lost who you were, don't worry. God can transform all things and make them new again. Even the worst situations, worse than mine, he can make them into a beautiful blessing. Because the person that I was in fall of 2019 is not the person who is sitting right here. I care about so much more now. I love so much deeply now. I'm trying a lot harder now. lot closer to God now. And I'm happy now. And you will be too. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www. Dot .grimbeancoffee.com forward slash redboxmedia. Experience coffee like never before.